0: following podcast is part of the underdog sports podcasting network for a
1: full list of our shows as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com welcome back to create your shot this is episode 26 as always tyler lorry with chris smalls angelos And this week is a very different one, Smalls. Uh, One thing that you and I cannot relate to for once, a guy who's a really good jump shooter. uh, And that's Mike Dunn, at Dunn on Instagram, professional shooting coach. And this was like a a different interview. And I know like I keep saying that, but it's just like you never know like different types of people you're going to meet. And I've never had a conversation with a shooting coach before. I've had conversations with like good shooters but hearing like Mike talk about coaching shooting and and dealing with like parents and and watching shooters on t v like it was just so fun and so different yeah
0: it was it was super different because the conversation wasn't tailor made to you know coaching, I think it was a lot more open and and there was more of a story behind you know how how do you kind of get to that and Mike focuses on a catalyst, and that's something I've always been drawn to uh. In anything, I think in sports, when you watch those, you know, whether whether it's like an e sixty or a sports center story or a thirty for thirty, there's a catalyst of change. There's a change in the story, and there's a really good one in this podcast. I'm not even going to ruin it for anyone, but Mike's got that story, and even though he gives us tidbits, it brought it propelled him into what he wanted to do and what he loved to do. And you make a good point. We're not good shooters, so we don't really understand it. But I think talking to him, we kind of do understand uh, a lot more of what goes into it, especially being a shooting coach and that kind of reputation you bring.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that I was really surprised at that I didn't know, like he's really kind of new at this and he's built a following from not having any social media to having close to 100,000 Instagram followers and having people reach out to him and want him to work. But he still has a full time job. And I did not know that when we started this. So like when he at the very beginning of the interview, you might hear me get a little shook. But like Mike said, he gets up at 315 a.m. every day. And I was kind of like, uh, OK, Hardo, like, why are you getting up at 315? Well, the the bottom line is like to to run his business and, and you know, Mike done shooting school, like to do that and then also do his full time job. Like that's what time he has to get up in the morning. And so I thought it was like a really good kind of example of like priorities because everybody acts like, oh, I would do this or I would do this. And but there's always something in the way. And instead, Mike told us like he loves Mondays, it starts a new week, and he gets up at 3.15 to make sure that like all his content is ready for the day. And and that, I, I made me look at myself a little bit differently. Like you're usually the guy that says like, you know, you listen and it impacts you. and And I don't always feel that way. I always feel like the conversations are good. But with Mike, I was like, man, like I could definitely be doing more, whether it's in my full-time job, whether it's with the podcast, whether it's with you know, watching film, maybe doing some writing, things like that, like I could definitely be doing more. And instead, like, I typically let excuses get in the way, like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, you know, I got to go to work today. And it was fun. And, and just like downright interesting to listen to a guy who was like, you know what, I could for years, let every excuse get in my way. But if I want this to be the reality, can't do that anymore. And and that's just so different than a lot of what we've talked about. Because, you know, when we've talked to people on here before, everybody we've talked to their full time job has been what we've talked to them about. And Mike was a guy. It's the first time we haven't talked to somebody who he's not yet. I mean, he's going to be a, an NBA shooting coach at some point. Like, I would bet a lot of money, right, Smalls? Like, on the next picket winners, I'm going to bet on that. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, and I'm the same way as you. I'm like looking at myself, and I think we both, which we do often, is like text each other during the interviews, and we're just like, we're nothing. <laughs> but like, I think uh, to, to his point, though, is you have to have a direction to after have to have of a goal, and you have to have like, big time drive to get there. Like it can't just be like, Oh, like I want to be a shooting coach. Like I'll do he, a lot went into it and he talked about the research he had to do to make sure he could get a following and how he built in and how he organizes his day. Those are the little things that, yeah, you might be a great shooter and you might be able to, teach um you know kenny from you know from saint rose's middle school or whatever the 10 year old you may be able to teach him and put up on video but can you do it day after day and do you have the you know the schedule in the 3 15 a.m and still go to a job and all that stuff that kind of goes into it so he has really good direction he knows where he wants to go but he also knows how he has to get there and he doesn't let a day go by so i think did you go to St. Rose Middle School? Nah, it felt like you had no yeah. idea what school you, know, you were I going was, to say. No, you, you know, know why on. I was doing that? Because I remember, <laughs> I was going back to Coach Dump when he yells at refs. He goes, "What's that? Saint Dorothy? Cyo call? <laughs> this isn't Saint Dorothy's anymore." So I was trying to think of Saint Dorothy, and it it fell off my, uh, you know, my brain there. So that was a shout out to Dump.
1: <laughs> All right, shout out Coach Dump. Uh, but ever, as usual, thanks a lot for listening. You can. Get in touch with Mike Dunn on Instagram at CMike Dunn. Uh, also, you can get in touch with us on social media. Twitter is Create Your Shot, Instagram is Create Your Shot Pod. We are Create Your Shot on Facebook, and as always, Create Your Shot at gmail.com. This is, I, like I said, our 26th episode. Uh, for those of you that have been having issues with the subscription, we should be all good now. So you can just subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. It should show up in your library. Uh, I've gotten a bunch of new comments and ratings, so that's great. If you like what you hear, please give us five stars. Leave us an iTunes comment. Next giveaways coming to the start of February. And also, you might have noticed that we did not do an episode of picking Winners this past week. Uh, that show, our Friday show, is on hiatus until the Friday after the Super Bowl. We've got something really cool planned. Not so much gambling. Going to do some different stuff, uh, you know, more helpful for coaches and people trying to make it in sports. But that'll be, I believe, Friday, February 9th. The Friday shows will come back. Tuesday interviews will not be impacted. Those are gonna, those are gonna keep coming. Uh, we step back into the college realm next week. Uh, won't spoil who it is, but really good guest, really really fun. But you know, as always, thanks a lot for listening, like listeners. You guys are the best. Uh, the contact we've had with people, the ratings we've gotten, it's it's been really humbling. It's been really really cool to do this on a weekly basis. So enjoy, Mike Dunn, and thanks as always for listening. And we will be uh, back next Tuesday. shooting coach uh and at c mike dunn on instagram for anybody who wants to check out his videos we'll get into that a little bit more later mike's a guy I played uh, at philly u he's you know so he and smalls have that connection a little bit both had to deal with herb mcgee for a long time mike might actually be as good of a shooter as as coach mcgee although I, i'm sure herb has never admitted anyone's a better shooter than him but mike we're, we're really happy to have you on and, and this is a different one for us you know, in terms of like basketball training and things like that. So, you know, how's everything going? And and thanks for being here with us.
2: Yeah, man, it's going great. I'm happy to be here. I've told you guys Monday is my favorite day of the week. I love Mondays. So the fact that we're doing this on a Monday is a good thing. Got a lot of energy today, so it's good.
1: <laughs> Why is Monday? Why is Monday so great? Because I know that. You know, we did this a little later than we expected because I, I sat in traffic like it's, it's raining here in Nashville. And I sat in traffic on the way home and I was thinking like, man, I'm really happy Monday's Monday's over.
2: Because like I'm, I'm I'm really big into taking the way people normally think about things and then just trying to switch them. So like, for instance, everybody's like, man, I hate Monday. So it's like taking that and saying, actually, I love Monday. If you if you go into something, you're like, I hate it. I don't like it. Even if you apply that to shooting, you're going to say I'm a bad shooter. You're not going to make shots. So if you if you say, "Man, I, I don't I hate Mondays. Mondays are the worst." Obviously, they're going to be a bad day for you. So I just switch it around and I just say it's my favorite day of the week.
0: Did did you always did that always become a part of no, you, or not is at that all. that's been no, recent at at all?
2: all. That's been like within the last five years.
0: That's awesome. And what kind of what kind of spurred that change?
2: I think it was just a matter of I wanted to change what I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. And I knew that you just you you can't make excuse you can't take time off you can't take days off and the, the, if you fill yourself up with that negative type of energy then you're just you're just digging yourself a hole and I just kind of took it from there and said I love Mondays and it's kind of become a part of part of my Instagram and my social media stuff too everybody always knows that I love Mondays and I just <laughs> ran with it
1: so Mike you you were you were, I read this in an interview with you you were working in Nashville and. You just kind of decided, like, I, I do want to change my situation and I'm going to be, you know, I guess like you were probably privately training guys on the side and, and you know, working with different kids. What was it like trying to build this business as, as a pro shooting coach? You know, because this is something that there was a couple, I'm sure you went to plenty of camps and you saw, you know, Dave Hopla, right? Everybody sees Dave Hopla. But like. How do you become a, a shooting coach using like social media and, and trying to get your name out there and, and kind of like what's the progression of that then when you decided like, hey, I'm going to make this change?
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy because I I, I was completely off of social media. So I, I didn't join. I didn't even get on any type of social media until September of 2016. So <laughs> wow. I just joined and um I was. So, yeah, what I was doing, I was training kids. And Nashville is when I really started to do it again. And I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I posted on Craigslist. I posted on Craigslist that I was a shooting coach. And people started contacting me that way with zero video, zero, any, any no idea of really who I was or what I could do. And I was just going away, going from house to house, from driveway to driveway, essentially. We, I wasn't even getting in gyms yet. And um, one of the kids was like, man, you need to create an Instagram account. I think you'd be really good on there. So I just created an Instagram account. And then from there, it was literally putting all all the stuff I know, um, taking stuff from those shooting camps. Like you said, Dave Hopla, I actually reached out to Dave Hopla just on a whim. And he sent me back like a 10 paragraph answer into how to to go about doing it and all, which he didn't have to do. But it was incredible that he did it. And uh, yeah, man, I just I just started experimenting with different things. Uh, doing doing different, different drills, then always throwing in some, some crazy stuff and then just studying social media as a whole and seeing times to post what gets reaction, how to how to build a community, how, how important engagement is and then just uh, just committed to it. And then it just kind of took off.
1: And where where did you like find the time, especially like here's the thing about social media, like we had a, a girl from William Morris, Cami Mattioli, who's the social media manager, director there for athletes and stuff. But, like, if you're working another job, like managing a social media account, like that's a real live, like full time job because, like, you got to commit to doing it at the same time every single day. So, you know, when did you kind of make that change that this was going to be what you ended up doing
2: full time? Well, I, so I, I still don't do it full time. That's the thing. But, um, it was just, I, I'm a big believer in that you make time for what's important to you. So, uh, you know, when it came to the time aspect of it, I mean, I wake up, I wake up at 315 every morning and it's, it it allows me to get all my content in order. Everything I, everything I have that I'm going to post that day is already, is already premeditated. So I I know exactly what I'm going to post and when I'm going to post it. And it's just being super organized in that fashion that allows you to just go ahead and do that. And then the engagement part of it just comes from kind of just, um, Setting times in the day where you know that you can you can talk to people, respond to people, respond to messages, respond to comments and and then that just helps you grow in general
0: and uh, there's one thing to build a brand right and then there's the other thing to back it up and you back it up right you're a great shooter, you teach the right way, um, you teach a lot of different aspects of shooting. I know from following your Instagram account. But I want to know kind of what your background is, like how, how you grew up, how you got into basketball, um, shooting, and then your Philadelphia university career. I'm sure Coach McGee might have been an inspiration there and probably one of the biggest reasons why you committed there as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I literally – I didn't start – I didn't really pick up a basketball until I was 10 years old, and um, I know I, – I feel like you, you hear people say – man, I could just always naturally shoot the ball, and you've heard some people say stuff like that and i could I could actually just kind of shoot it and i I think I credit to some of that to being ten years old when I picked up a basketball, so I was already strong enough to shoot it the right way. Um, I think so many kids and I talked to so many parents and that the, they have their kids I, I think the younger the kid if they're not able to reach the reach the hoop a regulation hoop at their at at their size that they're at now. I, I'm always a, I'm a big believer in lowering the hoop just so they can at least start to build that muscle memory with their form. But I was lucky enough that I could do it already. My dad just kind of gave me the basics, just rolled out beef and was like, this is how you shoot a basketball. And um, so that's just what I did. And I uh, I continued to shoot. I, I just I just fell in love with shooting the basketball. And then that was right around the time. I think that was like 97. So George, Michael Jordan was it. Right. That's the only that's the only person that mattered in the world in 1997. (laughs) And um, I just remember watching him. And I remember I didn't even have a hoop yet. And I would go out at halftime because the Sunday, the Sunday games and obviously really goofy, slow, white kid pretending to be Michael Jordan in the driveway and shoot the basketball against the side of the house. But um, that's really what started like the love of basketball to begin with. And I could shoot. I can't, I can't, I can't move laterally. Uh, I've never played a, I've never played defense one day in my life. Coach <laughs> McGee will tell you that. Yes, but, he will. He will tell us. <laughs> yeah, but I can, but I can shoot. And and that's what I just love to do. I just spend like hours upon hours upon hours doing it.
1: Mike, I, I was really hoping that you were going to say that like it was 1997 and the first game you ever watched was like game four of the NBA finals <laughs> and your favorite player was Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just am waiting for like somebody to come on here and just be like, you know what? Michael Jordan was cool, but he dribbles too much. I wanted to be the guy that spaces the floor and just gets buckets. (laughs) No,
2: absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't think anybody ever grew up as like, man, you know what? That Jeff Hornacek guy, that's who I'm going to be when I get older. I don't think anybody did that.
1: Let me ask you this. Do you think kids grow up now? We're in a generation, obviously people love Steph Curry, but do you think the five years before that people grew up saying, I want to be JJ Redick?
2: Uh, I think some did. I mean, I, I think, just that small influence he had on the college game, because obviously his splash in the NBA wasn't the same, but there was that point in time when him and him and Adam Morrison were going at it. They were, hit, they, they were, they were that was the thing. So I think if he would have had a bigger impact in the NBA, it would have been a little different, but I mean, you hit the nail on the head, with the way Steph is now. And I was, I said this, I actually, I made a post about this a few weeks ago, comparing, not just comparing Trey young to Steph Curry, but saying that this is going to be the next breed of people of kids that are going to start to, you're going to start seeing because everyone's shooting the basketball. Like they're shooting the basketball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, And it's, and it's such a free way of playing, which I think is the most, I just, I just love it. And I just think more and more kids, the kids that obviously work super hard at it are the ones you're going to see. You're you're going to have some that think they can just walk into a gym and start doing that kind of stuff. But I think that's going to be the next wave. I think you're going to see more and more kids that can just flat out shoot the basketball.
1: Well, like, it's funny because the reason that that Steph Curry is so good and and obviously Trey Young now, like, the shooting matters and, you know, like, them being able to kind of, like, manipulate the floor because you always have to pay attention to them. But those two guys can really handle the ball and both really pass. So it's kind of like that's the best of what it is. But now, like, just shooting in general matters. Like, we watched Kyle Corbett, tremendous player in college, really good. But then by the time he got to the Hawks, like, his, like, ability to stretch the floor just mattered even though he's never putting the ball down. He's not playing defense either, <laughs> but like just because you, you just because you have to you know kind of be like that, those guys have a chance now. You know, I remember, I'm sure you, I'm he was probably in college at the same time as you. Remember John Dibler who played at yeah, Ohio State? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And he, you know, he scored like four thousand points in high school, and I was a little surprised that he never got a shot in the NBA because I just think if you do something that well, you can always kind of like figure it out. Cause if you put John Deebler on an NBA court right now, he he's going to be able to make open. Threes. I think the only, difference, and there's just so much
2: space. You right? know, I agree a hundred percent. I think the only difference was, just, is just size. So like you take it, you, you look at Korver, Korver's six, seven, six, six seven. Yeah. Deebler, I I think Deebler may have been listed at like six, four, but or six, five, six, but four. I don't even know You're if right. he was that big.
1: He probably couldn't be a three, right? which is really, it's, it's hard to have your two be a guy that, that really can't handle the ball. Right. At least in today's NBA, but it is funny. like. When I was working for Elevate Hoops and, you know, we would have these guys in the gym, like, it, it was, there's no post up guys anymore and everybody wants to shoot yes. threes and they want to jack from, from far away. And I think that's what's funny about the Steph Curry thing. You know, everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan because, like, Michael Jordan's so cool, right? Like, I guarantee smalls might not admit it, but I made 150,000 jump shots as Michael Jordan too. <laughs> but, like, none of us can do the things that Michael Jordan does, right? Like, we don't have the given abilities of him. But, like, there are a ton of guys out there, like, man, Steph Curry's six two, six three, Like, I can shoot it like that if I get, you know, 500 jumpers, 500 makes every morning and 500 makes every night for the next 25 years, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's, that's part of it. You know, I've probably never made 500 jumpers in my whole life because I'm that bad of a shooter. But like, I I do think that's part of it with Steph Curry is that like it's believable that anybody can be that guy. Oh,
2: I agree. I I agree. But then, then, but then, then you see people that are like, man, he could just shoot it. But like you just said, like the time that goes into that, like the time that he has spent, Perfecting the way he shoots the ball is, is I I can't even imagine it. I just I just can't imagine. So Smalls
1: get mad at me because we're supposed to be telling your story, but we're, we'll get into your coaching for a second here. And Steph Curry is a good example of this. Like I don't know if you think like who has the, in your opinion, if you watch guys shoot a basketball, who's the the one guy you think has the most like pure jump shot? If like you're watching, you're like this is textbook. This is who I'm telling kids to watch. Devin Booker. Okay, so but you don't necessarily think Devin's a better shooter than Steph. So like if you take a kid and, and, and you've got a totally clean canvas, how are you teaching them to shoot a basketball?
2: Yeah. So, I, you know, I, 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 preach, so I mentioned beef, right. And the balance, the elbow, the eye, the follow through. And while I think it's, it's an awesome starting point, I think there's just things that are, that are missing within it. But um, my very, my, my huge thing that I always stress to people is getting the shooting hand directly under and in the middle of the basketball. And that right there alone ensures that you're gonna have arc on your shot. It's gonna ensure that your elbow is placed in the right position. Because you can't you literally cannot put your hand completely underneath the basketball and in the middle without your elbow kind of finding that kind of finding that in position. It might be a little bit out because we're all different, but when you just tell a kid to just stick his elbow in, if his hand placement's not wrong right on the ball, then you have nothing to work with, and then uh, from there it's just it's just getting getting that release point that set point higher. Obviously, you don't want to push the ball, and then I I really like so I have that's my big thing hand under the hand in the middle and under the ball. But after that, it's really just seeing what the player is comfortable with because we're all so different, and you're going to see characteristics in all the great shooters like I mentioned Devin Booker, who to me just has textbook form, right? But then you look at Steph Curry, and it's a little different, Steph. Steph's release Steph, Steph's release is different. Steph doesn't spread his fingers entirely when he shoots the basketball. Like everything's different and I think that's where you kind of have as a player and as a coach, you have to be lenient in knowing that okay, not everybody's the same. You can't just put them into this cookie cutter type mold. You have to work with them and find find what works find what works for them. And then it it just comes down to repetition at the end of the day, just doing it over and over and over. Right. Because guys
1: want to be like Steph or Trey Young, where they shoot it quick and they pull their follow through. But like those guys don't understand how like their releases are always pretty much the same. You know what I mean? Like their base might be a little bit different, but they're always square. It's, I, I don't know, man. Like those guys are just so unique in my opinion. It's like Ray Allen, right? Like his feet were so crazy. Like he was always able to get square to the basket every time. And so like, I wonder is release. Is that, that's what you always end up stressing, I guess, once you get into like a full shooting mechanics type workout, once you're, you you know, you're messing around with hands and feet placement, things like that.
2: Yeah. If I'm, if, and if, yeah. And if I'm, if I'm starting from scratch with a kid, I mean, I'm, I'm never telling a kid to drop his hands after a shot. I'm never, I'm never saying that. And I, and I'll, even when I shoot to this day, I'll start dropping my hands. But after, I think it's just after you've done it thousands and thousands of times, it's a little different. But when you're when you're teaching it, when I'm teaching it, it's it's man, I'm, I'm yelling at people to hold that to just overextend that follow through because it makes such a difference at the end of the day.
0: T- Tyler mentioned working with kids with like a clean canvas and you're developing their shot. But I, I kind of want to know the more difficult thing. And I saw it in college was kid comes in freshman year and his shot is broken like it's it's not a good form of, how do you change that because it's so hard to change it like like you said to a cookie cutter way um how would you go about working with somebody like that
2: it is it's it's super it's super difficult and then the the first so i've worked with some high school kids when i was working in nashville and the first thing i have to talk to them and then i have to talk to their parents obviously because it's like a one two combination all the time but it's it's like look if if you really want to do this I need, I need to know that you're 100% on board with it. And I think it starts, it literally has to start with the kid saying, okay, yeah, I want to change my shot. Like I want to do this differently. And without that, I mean, it's, it's just tough. It's, it's tough to, to start anywhere, but I'll start form shooting. And I'm a big, I'm a really big believer in form shooting. Um, One hand form shooting to start, two hand form shooting. But I just think that that just allows allows a shooter to get some type of some type of rhythm. And it's sometimes you just have to go slow in the beginning in order to go faster later on. But it's uh, it's form shooting. I don't think there's any secret to it, but it's just it. It takes even more time when you're changing it than if you're just starting with a blank
1: canvas. What do you think about picking up bad habits now? You know, I'm sure you deal with high school kids, college kids and like. They're watching TV. Or they're playing pickup with their friends. Like, how much time are you spending? Like, when somebody comes back to you for a workout, like, reinstilling exactly what you went over with the first time? Because guys are, it's, it's tough, right? Like, I, there aren't a lot of coaches now, especially at, like the high school level that they teach. Like, was your high school coach a great teacher of,
2: of like shooting the basketball? no my he he was a great teacher of basketball but he we never did the skills part of it like shooting a basketball that was never that was never really discussed so you're absolutely right and then that's the thing the kids come back and it's literally you're spending a a good chunk of time reaffirming everything that you just did the previous time you guys met and it's tough
1: do you never worry about Finger placement on the basketball, like where your index finger is, where your middle finger is, like as long as their hand is under the ball and it's a comfortable movement,
2: that's that's okay to teach a shooter. You think? So when I when I say under when my hand with the hand in the middle under the ball, part of getting into that is having either your index finger in the middle of the basketball or my or in my in my view a split grip where you have the, the middle of the ball where I always say the air is the middle. I should say that the, the index in the middle of the air hole will be between there. And uh, that's that's where I really believe that the hand should be placed.
0: All the shooting talk is getting me like, I'm ready to go out and shoot a 1,000 shots tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have a contest probably with Tyler. I know I'll beat him because I've seen him shoot. Now that's broken. That can never be <laughs> That finished. shot's not. Well, but I, I used to like to make jokes that I was kind
1: of like, a good example of this now is I, I was kind of like Giannis, you know, where my hands were so big that it was really tough for me to shoot rather than just saying like, "Yo, you have normal size hands. You're a terrible shooter. But have you ever run into anything like that? Cause like, we always heard about that with like Shaquille O'Neal as a free throw shooter that like, it's hard to teach guys with unique physical traits because they're just different. So like, what do you do with somebody who's, I, I like, I used Giannis as an example, but I think, you know, Ben Simmons is a little bit like that too, where his hands are really big and his jump shot form doesn't repeat very easily. And his release doesn't repeat. Like, have you been able to watch guys on TV and see like, OK, if I had, you know, five sessions with this guy, I could fix his jumper.
2: And I'm so glad you brought up Ben Simmons because it kills me. It kills me to watch it. And I know I know that I know that they, they have a great shooting coach there. And I know that everybody watching him is is looking at it saying this is your job. Why can't you make free throws? Why can't you make jump shots With without understanding the thousands of hours he already put in with the wrong form. So trying to fix it's going to take time, obviously. But when I watch him, I, 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 it comes down to hand placement for me. Where he holds the ball is, is not directly underneath the basketball, which is making his elbow flare out. And then as a result, he's trying to overcompensate with his wrist motion to bring the ball straight again. So every time you shoot, if you watch him shoot, he's actually pushing to the right. He's, the, the ball's being pushed to the right but he's trying to overcompensate with his wrist motion and bring it back straight and it's just it's just a terrible combination I really just think like the hand just has to come underneath the basketball I don't know if it's just super uncomfortable for him to try I don't know what it is but man I every time I watch it it just it hurts it hurts my heart man it really does
0: I, th- I think it hurts all Sixers fans but I can't imagine if like I was a shooting coach like you like you've got to be like like driving yourself crazy watching those. it it also might not be fair because if
1: ben simmons figures out how to shoot
0: a jump shot there's going to be real problems you know
1: like it's going to be it's going to be real bad for the rest of the nba so those of us who aren't Sixers fans and root for (laughs) other teams in the eastern conference we might we might want to hold out hope that ben simmons doesn't figure out how to shoot never never looks at uh see mike dunn on instagram to, to (laughs) to fix his form
2: he is he's incredible but yeah if he gets that jump shot down it's over man it's over
0: so Mike, I want to bring it back to you real quick because I know we'll get more into talking basketball and shooting and everything, but I want to know something about like you were in a serious accident, right? And I just want to know that story. I want you to tell it and how that impacted your overall approach on life. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing teaching basketball as well.
2: Yeah. So to leave out a lot of different details, I was, I was crossing the street one night and um, I was on Henry Avenue. So if, if anybody's familiar with, with Henry Avenue, it's a busy road. But my friend and I are crossing the street, and this car pulled out from the opposite direction and, and just came across and just clipped me in the middle of the road. And uh, so I'm just laying there on the ground. My head's, my head's all busted open. I can't, I can't bend, my, bend my knee. And then one of my former teammates is looking at me, and I'm like, I said, Itch, you, you need to pick me up, man. You need to pick me up. We got to get out of here. And this just looked at me. He's like, nah, man, we, you got to stay right here. You're not going anywhere. And uh, the ambulance came, picked me up, all this stuff. And, you know, at that point in time, I actually I was kind of disconnected from basketball at the time. It was about two years after I was done playing and I was working I was working like a normal job. And I, I didn't know exactly what I was what I was going to do with basketball, if anything, at the time. And I just remember being in the hospital and I'm sitting there in Einstein, my brother's next to me. And I am try- I keep trying to move my left, my left leg and I can't bend my knee. It's super, super swollen. And I'm just like, man, I know something's wrong with it. And I remember just telling my brother, I kept saying, I'm not going to be able to play basketball again. Like I just know this is it. I'm not gonna be able to play again. And after the rehab and doing everything, I mean, I ended up tearing, tearing my, my ACL, MCL, PCL, dislocated my kneecap. Like I, I destroyed it. And, um, I'm going through all the rehab for, for it months and months later. And I'm thinking to myself, there, there's a reason why the first thing I thought about was basketball. Like there, obviously it's, it's something that I need to, I need to go back after. I need to find out what my purpose with basketball is. And from that point on, it kind of changed my approach, not to take anything for, van, not to take anything for, uh, I can't even think of the word right now. Um, Not to take anything for granted and just, and just go after it and, I started playing again, started shooting all the time, started, started, people would see me shoot and then, you know, ask, hey, would you train me? And then from there, I just kind of got into it. And, and it's, it's one of those things where I would have gotten hit in a different way or, or maybe the car was going just a little bit faster. That could have been it. And it was just a real reminder of, like you get you get one shot at this. That's it. Like you get one shot at life to do whatever it is that you really love to do and take advantage of it. because. You just don't know. You don't know when your day is coming. And it kind of just put things into perspective for me. And here I am. Here I, am. I always used to say I used to play the lottery all the time and I stopped playing the lottery because I said I'm sitting on my own lottery ticket. I have this this gift of shooting the basketball and it's something I love to do and I love to teach. Like, obviously, it's, it might not equate to millions and millions of dollars, but it can create it can uh, it can equate to a really fun and uh, productive type of life. So that's what I just decided to do ever since. But like
1: the intrinsic value of what you're doing now too matters a lot more, right? You know, whatever you were doing before or even, you know, what you do in your day job, I'm I'm certain it doesn't provide the same type of joy and, and passion that I'm getting from you as you're telling this story. And as you're, you're talking about coaching
2: shooting. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's incredible, man. It's, it's, I think, you know, working with older guys is fun, but like working with kids and seeing, seeing them get it seeing them start to under, understand things watching them gain confidence it's i can't i really just can't describe that feeling it's just it's just an incredible incredible feeling and i mean just through through social media i've been able to tell my story and i've i've had so many people reach out to me to tell me their stories and yeah man it's it it it's it's just it's an amazing feeling like you can't put a price tag on it when you have kids and even grown men coming up to you and saying, Hey man, like i identified with what you're doing and what you've been through. And because of you, I'm, I'm, I decided to pursue this or I decided to keep going and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely. I mean, intrinsically, it's just, it's incredible.
0: I'm really glad you told the story. Um, because you know, I knew the story, but I had never heard it from you. Uh, but you can tell there's so much emotion and passion and how that, kind of created a catalyst for change for yourself. And now you're in this spot where, like you said, you're so happy. And I think that again, we we always go back to this, but the reason why we started this podcast was for young people, like young coaches or young media member, whatever you want to do, you can kind of hear different stories and, you know, if if it means that much to you, it doesn't matter about the money, right? It's about your happiness and committing to something you love to do. And you're the perfect, you're the prime example of that. So it's awesome to hear that story. And hopefully young coaches or young anybody can take from that. Um, I do want to go to this. How did different coaches impact you? Um, Was it like watching Coach McGee or working clinics? Was there someone specific, a role model in your life that kind of propelled you forward especially with shooting and you know eventually like you're you're essentially coaching now you're coaching kids
2: yeah for sure yeah. i mean my my very first high school coach his name's coach Derby, and he's now the head coach at milton hershey school and um i've actually only got to play with him for one year at bishop mcdevitt high school in harrisburg pennsylvania and uh he was he was like the guy that i was i was i was fully immersed in the game at that point like all i wanted to do was play basketball play basketball and he was that kind of coach that, okay, you want to play? I'll open. For, I'll open up the gym for you. He knew that I wanted to get to the gym about an hour, two hours early, so he'd always be there to open it. He'd stay late. He'd pick me up when I didn't have a ride. Like he was that guy that was just, you want to get better? I'm here for you to get better. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to help you get better. And from that point on, even though we we had to we had to go our separate ways, he he got let go at McDevitt, and uh, I transferred to Central Dolphin. It was a, a big whole story, but. He's remained in contact with me to this day and whenever he can help me out with anything, he continues to do so. So in terms of coaching, like to me, that's what a coach is. Like, yeah, yeah. He he did a lot of stuff for me on the basketball floor and and continues to do so, but it's the off the court. I mean, he was at my wedding. It's the off the court stuff that for me sets an example of how I want to, to continue how I coach and how I, how I interact with kids because I want to be there. I want to help you grow as a person. I want to see you not just do well on the basketball floor, but just do well in life in general. And I think that's where I got a lot of who who I am and, and kind of what I apply today, definitely through him. Guys, did someone say playoffs?
1: NBA and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA playoff bracket contest that gives you more chances to win. Major League Baseball continues to push through the summer, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action, as Bet Online has hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. Please take advantage of every sport, and remember, our casino never closes. It's always there for you to check out and enjoy. Head to the website today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you go to Bet Online, don't forget the promo code PODCASTONE. That is Podcast One for your sign-up bonus. That is Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. That is actually something we talk about a lot, like the difference in in like your on and off court personality. You know, like nice. so when you're not coaching or you're not training, you know, you, you mentioned you're married and everything like that. Like, what are you doing on a day? You're waking up at 3.15, so you got a lot of time to plan out your day. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, what What are you doing on a day where, you know, maybe you don't have a session and, and it's a lighter day? You know, kind of well, how are you turning it off or, or balancing life? And
2: Well, I would say that I don't turn it off. I think my wife would tell you I don't turn it off. And, uh, man, I just, I, well, I love to work out. So, I, I mean, I, I lift, I, I work out, I do all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm just always thinking of new things and trying to learn as much as possible. I mean oh man, there's there's so much information out there now. Like if I was a kid now, and I know this is going to sound like an old man saying this, but there's so much information out there for kids now to get better, to learn, to do all this stuff that there's like no excuse on why why they're not. You know what I mean? I think and there's I'm, so much access.
0: It's, it's so much easier to access that information. It's right yes. in front of you and it's about,
2: yes. yeah, I think
0: you're totally Right
2: on that. Yeah. So that's what I'm, I mean, I'm I'm constantly looking at things and trying to learn things and trying to further my brand if I can. And yeah, man, I I don't know, man. I just I love I love doing it. I love life in general. So no days off, man. It's grind season. No days off. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean I, I love that. I love it. So like you're you're talking about building your brand. Um how how did you network? Because i mean let let's be honest you've like ninety five thousand Instagram followers, and you stated earlier you started in twenty six sixteen which is insane. How did you network and you talk, you give us like the kind of the hopless story, but how did you continue to network? was it just producing content or was there some specific moment in time where you realized it or there was a breakthrough
2: yeah it was i mean the content is huge um the hopless thing didn't really help in terms of the social media thing but I literally like I started I started my social media and I think I had like two posts and I just started messaging NBA shooting coaches. And I just started saying, hey, this is this is who I am. Um, I'm going to be I, I'm 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 taking this journey of becoming a professional shooting coach. Any information would be great. Uh, all this stuff. And I know that ninety nine point nine percent of those messages didn't did not get answered, did not even get opened. Um, but some did. And I've managed to forge relationships with uh, with some guys in the NBA now who, who 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 came back. And one guy just gave me a really, really basic answer. It was like, work hard. I think his answer was like, just work hard. And um, as my social media started to take off, he came back and he was like, okay, how are you doing this? Anything I can do to help you? And then our relationship went from there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, literally just taking shots in the dark, messaging people that I probably had no business messaging, but I mean, you have to be confident in what you do. You have to. I, I really believe that I'm. I'm really good at what I do. So, reaching out to these people wasn't that big of a deal to me. And yeah, I mean, who? What's the, the worst that's going to happen? Is somebody's going to say no to you? The worst that's going to happen is they don't answer you, and then you just move on to the next one. There's plenty, plenty of opportunities out there.
0: How do you want to continue building? You know, your brand or kind of executing it. Is there like hopes to you know? travel like a circuit of summer camps and fall camps and teach is that how you want it or do you want to keep it kind of the social media expertise you know keep doing your thing waking up at 315 wherever you are and you know keep producing content or is there because just because when I think of like shooters that I've seen like we talked about coach McGee but we talk about Dave Hoplin I saw them at, at, at every camp that I worked at and then when I was a kid they were at multiple camps is that kind of where you
2: want to go Yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. And I've been, I've been starting to get approached by more and more people and not just basketball camps, actually different, different camps in general for for different types of groups of kids, just because they think it would be an entertaining type of thing. But yeah, man, I, you know, I have this, I have this one vision of, of, of building my, my online type of community that, that I've, I've done pretty well in building. And then, and I want to get out there. I want to, I want to impact as many people as I can impact. I, I tell people all the time to say, what's your end goal? And I always just tell them, I want to be the guy. Like I want to be that guy that people come to when they need. They they're like, man, I'm stuck. I don't know where to go from here. And who do we call when we need? When we can make kind of a fix and a quick turnaround time? Like that's that's who I want to be. I want to get that good. And I know I'm nowhere. I'm probably nowhere near that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm 20 years away from that. But that's the goal. That's the goal. It's just become absolute best at what I do.
0: Do Do you ever think? Like, is there any thought of ever trying to become a shooting coach, maybe at the NBA level and seeing how that could go, um, taking that journey? Cause it's, it's surely a different path and it would probably compromise some of the stuff you're doing now, but it, it you know, I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely thought about it and, um, it's something that I would love to do. I think, I think anytime you, you'd have the ability to work with the best players in the world, it'd be really hard to turn down. It'd be really hard to be like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to work with these third graders from here on. Out. Like, <laughs> nah, Ben Simmons. I don't really want, nah, that's all right. Like, you, yeah. like, I, I got Jake and Ryan over here that need to get their elbow in. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure, man. Like if, if that, if that, that came to be, it's definitely something that, yeah, it would be amazing. It'd be it'd be like a dream comes working with those guys.
0: I think the best thing about that is it sounds like it doesn't really matter, though. If, if you're working with the Jake and Ryan or you're working with Ben Simmons, I think you have a really good approach to life and you're going to be happy every day. So I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're still going to win no matter where you are. But, Mike, what about when Jake and Ryan's, like, grandmother come up to you and says that, like,
1: you know, Ryan made a corner three to win his CYO game? I mean, that's got to be... I, I'm being a little bit facetious, but at the same time, like that's got to be a really good feeling, honestly. You know what I mean? Because it's it's the end result. The the goal for everybody's the same, right? It's a lower. It's kind of like a you know, it's
2: on a very small scale, but
1: that's got to be pretty cool,
2: right? I, I think it does. Yeah, no, that's that's 100 true. Because I have parents that will send me text messages, and they'll say, "Hey, my my son had this many points tonight. He hit all his foul shots tonight. And he did this tonight, and it it feels." awesome like it's just it's it's an amazing feeling even though they're doing it in their fifth grade cyo league it doesn't matter it still is an amazing feeling to know that those kids are putting in the work and seeing results
0: all right sounds good i mean we got to learn so much about you and everything's good we're gonna get right into our um our first segment it's called coach speak so really what we're gonna do is give you two quotes here tyler we'll start it off and uh just hear your perspective and your thoughts on them so these are always good, especially for guys that are that
1: are in the play. They, they played in college, and then they also coach. Uh, this is from a guy that I, I love a lot of things Frank Martin says, but this is him last year in the NCAA tournament, and he said, uh, you know what makes me sick to my stomach when I hear grown people say kids have changed? Kids haven't changed. Kids don't know anything about anything. We've changed as adults. We demand less of kids. We expect less of kids, and we make their lives easier instead of preparing them for what life is really about. And you interact with a ton of different people, especially a ton of different parents, a ton of different kids. Do you feel like parents now are much uh, harder or are much easier
2: on their kids? So I can only I guess I could only compare that to to when I was growing up. And my parents were actually, like my parents were very hands off with that kind of stuff. Um, they were just kind of like, hey, if you if this is what you want to pursue, go out and do it. But I, I would say that. Yes because the parent, like i've worked with some parents that they kind of have these unreal expectations of of, of their kids and it's it's it, it's sometimes it just they need a reality check sometimes and they have to realize that not everybody not everybody's able to do what you think your kids able to do and i think it just puts the kids in a bad spot because they're they're expecting everything to be rolled out for them and everything's going to work out at the end of the day and that's just not how it always goes i think i, I think he's dead on i remember i remember that answer on him on espn and i was like man that was that was really good i think martin's incredible so but yeah that was that was a really good quote by him he
1: has, he has a pretty interesting way of in thinking about things and i was curious like because i don't want to i'm not calling you a salesman so don't take that the wrong way as a guy who does sales in his day job like i know some people find that pretty negative of a connotation but you do have to keep parents happy as well because ultimately like that matters. How hard is it to communicate with parents? Or do you just feel like, hey, look, I'm going to be as honest as I can. I care about your kid's best interest. And if that's not okay, then, you know, it's, it just kind of is what it is.
2: Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm super honest with it because I mean, it's my, it's my, like, I kind of, in a selfish way, I kind of look at it as it's my time too. And, you know, one of the things that I will always tell parents, I'll just say, look, if, if the reason your kid is here is because you, you want him here and he doesn't want to be here. I was like, then I I don't want to take your money because it's not going to work out. You're not going to see what you want to see." I said, "The only way this is going to work is if if it's the, if it's your kid that that's the one that wants is the one that wants to be here." And I think that I think that kind of just sets the tone from there on out, just saying, "Okay, like I'm not I'm really not here just to take your money. I'm I'm here to get the kid better." And if I have somebody that doesn't want to be there, I know there's others out there that do, and and that's just that's just more time I could spend with somebody else.
0: All right, next right. quote, um this is Sean Payton on the 2009 Super Bowl winning players coming back to support, you know, their past playoff game. Um so here it goes. We just wanted to create a great environment. I love it when these guys come back. That to me is a sign that you have a program. So I want them always to feel welcome that they were a big part of what all of us are currently standing on. So uh, in that, I think you you kind of touched on it a little earlier, how important that is for you when you're teaching kids, uh, that they're coming back and they're interacting. You have that relationship with your coach as well. Um, I think Philadelphia University has great history. Can you speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah, man. Philly, I, I knew nothing about Philadelphia University before. Like, I literally, I, I signed a scholarship there because Coach McGee, drove me around in his Lexus for a little bit and it was really cold outside. And, uh, I knew he had a lot of wins and he was like, we want to give you a full scholarship. And I was like, all right, it's, it's done. That's cool. That sounds good. Like I literally went to campus for like three hours, but, um, but yeah, as time went on, I mean, you see, you see the history there. And obviously just with coach there, I mean, that's, it's, it's hard to compare. You can't really compare it to anything else. Somebody that gets that much attention in the game of basketball, at a, especially at, like, the Division two level. But, you know, one of the things Coach would always say to us, and I, I'll always remember this my freshman year, and we're all sitting in the locker room and he told us to look around, and he was basically like, you know, have fun doing what you're doing out here. It's like, you know, you're not really going to remember how many points you scored. Um, he said, you will remember the games you won. He said, but at the end of the day, like, you look around, he's like, you're going to remember all these guys that you played with and all these guys that you forged relationships with. And it's so true. And I mean, I, to this day, I mean, I I call a lot of those guys, my brothers and we're, we're constantly in contact. We're constantly hanging out with each other, checking up on each other and stuff like that. And I think that he really helped to help to bring that kind of community get community together with us. And uh, it's one of those things where I feel like I gained more of an appreciation for coach McGee later on. When you're when I'm in it, it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, it's Coach McGee. You know, it's just coach. But as time goes on and and you realize the different things that the different things he would tell you or or just show me, like, for instance, taking me from shooting camp to shooting camp with him working with kids. I mean, little did he know he, he was kind of laying down the blueprint for me into doing what I'm doing now. And just by him kind of taking me under his wing and just showing me how he does things I. I got a Hall of Famers perspective on how to run shooting camps, or on how to how to how to attack shots, and took a lot of things that I agree with, and then obviously some things that I disagree with. But that's all right, and I can still shoot. I can still shoot better.
0: So, um, so, so we've got to host the so contest, yeah. you versus him, and we'll, we'll yeah, go hope, all day because no lose. one will
2: miss, right? Yeah.
0: No, 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 no. He'll, he'll lose. I, he'll lose. I, <laughs> lose. <laughs> I found that uh, the the quote you mentioned. It's funny you said that because. I mean, in my five years coaching there, I remember him constantly saying that to the players and then to us as coaches privately. It, that's what it's about. It, it, it's about, you know, your relationships within basketball because your teammates, I mean, I, I can't really remember a lot of, and I, I coached, you know, five for five years. I can't remember specific games, but I remember those bus rides with those guys talking to different players, having recruits around. That That's really the value, and I think – One thing I took from that too, and in relation to that quote, was when alumni come back, just talking to them, seeing where they're at, um, and the support they kind of had. And I I can really see your point of view with that because a lot of people have more perspective now than okay, it's just Coach McGee. Because it's you know, you you get coached by anyone for four years, it's kind of like, all right, are you saying the same things? He's saying that, but then you find great value in it later and you kind of miss that aspect of it. So, I I thought that was. That was pretty cool, yep.
1: Mike, do you, do you feel like Coach McGee favored you when you were on the team because you were a great shooter? Because Smalls has always said that, like, if you can't shoot, Herb no, thinks I've you stink n- never, you.
2: Never, never have Even I though,
1: said like, that. I <laughs> I <don't. laughs> okay, well, maybe he didn't say that, but I'm just curious. Like, do you think when he was like, you know what, let's just throw it to Dunn, he'll make the shot, and he just was like, that, for four years you were his favorite player? Yes, 100%. Because <laughs> – could you play? Didn't you play with two? Uh, did you play? You overlapped with uh, uh, Tayron and yeah, Christian Verne. I, I overlapped
2: right? with possibly two of the greatest players in Philadelphia University yeah. history. And <laughs>
1: maybe, maybe, maybe honestly, Division Two yeah. history. And no like no joke.
2: But. Yeah, it's incredible. And I don't think he like ever really yelled at me one time or anything like that. It was just like, hey, I remember like lifting would come I, because I refused to lift weights back then. And they were they started. We were lifting you weights and everything. of your shot, right? Every shooter. Yeah, and I thought. Yeah, yeah. And coach was like, Mike, what do you think about this weight situation? And I was like, Man, coach, I really don't want to do it. And he's like, All right, don't worry about it. You don't
0: have to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's true. He he believes in that. And I, I, Tyler, I know what you were saying, but I just don't want Coach McGee to give me a call if, if he somehow <laughs> hears this on the internet, which I don't think is going to happen. But <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know they will, but, but I, he no. does love shooters. Like if you, it's it's hard Real? to compare. And <laughs> when a recruits on campus, you might have this kid that's so athletic and you've seen him play a hundred times. So if he doesn't shoot well for that period, it's probably not going to happen for you.
2: Yeah. And just a fun fact real quick. So my my Instagram at C Mike Dunn yeah. literally comes from him. Like that comes from him because in practice all he would scream was see Mike Dunn on fast breaks. <laughs> he would just tell me he would just tell me to sprint to the three point line and he would just scream, see Mike Dunn, see Mike Dunn, see yep. Mike Dunn, and just go nuts when I didn't get the ball. So that's that's where that whole that's where my whole handle comes.
0: For me, from. I heard that with like Nick Schlitzer and like Jimmy Connolly in my early years. <laughs> yes. It was like it was like fine, Jimmy Connolly, fine. Jimmy Connolly could go over eleven <laughs> <laughs> and then it it'd still be like, Let's get Jim the ball on the first shot nick was really good too but yeah i i can definitely see that just replacing your image with like nick or jim
2: <laughs> i i definitely the only other what, what's the one school that just jacks up threes non-stop the division three grinnell that's the only better place i think i could have gone That's a good now because i mean coach i mean i feel like i i, I kind of had the ultimate green light
1: yeah, he, he, I mean, here's the thing. Like even, even when I've watched, you know, when Smalls was coaching there, I go to games and they didn't have guys making shots. Like he didn't care if you took open shots. He was fine. He's going to live with that. Like run up and down, get it up there. Like he, but I think like I, the reason I asked that though is because I've always felt like when I've talked to people who are tremendous jump shooters. There's just like a bond between other guys who are really good jump shooters. Like I'll just never be able to have a conversation about scoring the <laughs> basketball with Herb McGee in in the ten different times that I've talked to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll talk about like beers. We'll talk about like Final Four sites. but like we're just never gonna have a conversation about offense because I'm just not gonna understand him.
2: This is this is this is true. He's uh, he's not. I, I, he probably doesn't respect you at all. He probably is like, uh, I really don't want to talk to this guy. You can't make foul shots. Uh, let alone hold a conversation with me right now. I'm in the hall of fame. What did you say? <laughs> cool.
1: Smalls. What did he say? If the, if, how many points did he say he would have scored if the three point shot existed There's when he like played f- it? five,
0: five, 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 five <laughs> <laughs> He was like, look, look it up. He was like, look at the video. If there was a three point shot, I'd have like five thousand points. And we played <laughs> less. And we played less games. There was no shot clock. He's got really good points.
2: But uh, uh, you know, <laughs> he some a kid came to to visit. I forget who it was, I and mean, it might have been my buddy, Mike, but I'm not sure who it was. But they came to visit and he was talking about getting a number. And he was like, well, and Herb was like, well, what's what's your number? What number do you wear? And he said, number four, which is obviously Herb's retired yeah, number. Yeah, no go. And and Herb just Herb just looked at him and he, he pointed up to the rafters. He said, well, if you want to climb up there and get it, you can wear it. <laughs>
0: I think I've heard that. I've heard him like say that in a in a recruiting meeting with different recruits that they because I feel like that did happen with the kid. And he was like, hey, "Just go up there if you want. You want to look at the rafters once you got on the court again." <laughs> oh, man. It's pretty funny. But uh, going off that, so going into our next segment, Philadelphia University now Jefferson, located in Manion, Pennsylvania, and you spend a lot of time there. Um, so we're going to go right into city review, and all this is is. Friday. We're coming in on a Friday and you're taking us out. And guess what? The one rule I'm going to make here is you don't have to wake up at 3.15 a.m. this weekend. Okay. No no nights. Or
1: if you get up at 3.15, maybe our fair. alarm goes off at like 7.45. <laughs> That's but fair. Yeah,
0: That's take fair. us around the town. Fair. What's your favorite thing to do? Um, what are we doing?
2: So, Manny Yunk. I love Manny Young. actually. I lived in Manny Young for a while. And then you know Sean Wert, and I live with Sean. And if anybody knows Sean Wirt, you know that you can have a really, really good time with yes, Sean Wert. So I had a really good time in Mania. <laughs> um He's amazing. He's one of the most unique individuals I've ever met in my life. Anyway, um I'd say first, food wise, I'm a I'm a Chubby's guy. Chubby's cheesesteaks Um some people will say Delisandro's. And when people say, What is the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia? and they're always like Pastor Gino's, nah. It's like I feel like Pastor Ginos are the worst two cheesesteaks in Philadelphia. I feel that way. So so yeah, DeLisandro's definitely 100 percent chubbies chubbies for lunch um after that there's a bar in like the Roxboro area called cj and x oh, yeah good wings don't know good wings good food it's just super cheap and literally we would spend hours there there was not we would spend entire days at cj and x and uh eventually make our way down to main street and uh then you just let the night happen I don't know. I don't even know what to say after that. You just you just go I, out there. And I I'm totally
0: good. agree. We we. It's funny when we were in college, our one buddy was out of college and he had a place in Manion, like a really nice place. And I think Tyler, what did we spend like every weekend there? My junior year or something like that. It was like it was like every Saturday night we went to
1: either we went to either brew pub or uh, <laughs> Mad River. Yeah, Sometimes or we so, would
0: stop at Kildare's.
1: <laughs> went to kildare some we we would go out we'd be down then we'd have to walk up a million steps to get back to his place we'd stop at that stupid cheese fries
2: place uh, i don't the even tent. remember there was a the pizza, tent the tank. i don't even remember what it's called and then, yeah yeah uh i've been the yeah the tent it's incredible the fries were amazing. Uh, amazing
1: it was it was just it would be so cold right and like we'd just be waiting <laughs> we'd just be waiting for this and like our one our one buddy dutch actually he made good friends with the guy so like we'd get a lot of free stuff but it just would take so long and like we never want to like cab it back. It was just I, I don't know. It was always fun. It was always those same three places, though. We were never like uh, we never were like McGillicuddy's people. We never went to what was the other place? Small's Castle Rocks. Yeah, Castle
2: Rocks. Yeah, I didn't like Castle Rocks we,
1: either. We never went there. Where else was there? There was a uh, oh man, what was the place that was like a nice restaurant? Derek's
2: is that a bar? I mean, Derek's oh, yeah, is like fancy, to, right? <laughs> I uh, you, like, you know what? What well, do you know? what's crazy. I I spent an entire night with Charles Barkley and Derek. <laughs> okay, so we'll tell we we'd love to hear that story. <laughs> so I I go and I'm in I'm in Derek's and Charles Barkley's there and I introduce myself because I know that Coach McGee and him are, are like buddies. And uh I said to him, I said, Hey, I'm I'm Mike. I played for Coach McGee at Philadelphia University and he was like he just looked at me for a second he's like, You played for you play for Co- you play for Herb? I said, Yeah, I play for Herb. And he just put his arm around me and he just said, you're with me for the rest of the night. And uh, literally just I hung out with him for about three straight hours and we just talked, laughed. He would not let me he would not let me buy one drink. Um, hands down, one of the nicest people I've ever been around. Just he was incredibly nice. Every single person that came up to him and wanted a picture, he would take a picture with them. Um, man it was just it was cool it was a really really cool night really
1: awesome we've heard that that he just like he just kind of like loves life like he just enjoys the fact that like he knows he's like a blessed kind of individual to be in the spotlight that he's in he kind of got a second chance with the nba on tnt stuff and like that he just likes to
0: have a good time and enjoy himself
2: he's awesome that's like
0: the i swear to god the 20th like personal story like people have had not like famous people like people like you know i I know our buddy distant and like you and different people just hey like I saw Charles Barkley and he bought the whole bar a round of drinks and he doesn't like yeah. that's the way he is like he'll talk to anyone I think that's that's a really cool story and a cool quality now you're a big workout guy and obviously basketball so in Young, let's say we wake up we got to we got to work out with you what are we doing in Young? what court are we going
2: to uh so I would always go to the court right there by Roxborough High I don't even know if that if that has a name. Nice, nice, beautiful double yeah, rims. Double
0: rims, tough.
2: Um, I'm not making any shots. Yeah, yeah, and you got to be careful because there's some other type of shootings going on around that area every once in a while. So it's I almost just, got
0: in a fight with not just, <laughs> It's
2: not just basketballs there. Um, but yeah, I mean that's where I, that's where I'd go to shoot if ever I was shooting outdoors, just the the Manny Young courts or the Roxboro High courts, I guess they'd be.
1: And then if you're not getting a cheesesteak, if you're just getting like breakfast on Sunday, we're getting out of there. We've had a couple of late nights. Where are you taking us just for a quick, you know, maybe a little brunch action down there?
2: Yeah. So I don't remember the name of this restaurant now. The Manny Young Tavern. Oh, Manny Young okay. Tavern on Main Street. Crab cheese. That has the most. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's in fact, babe, we're going to we're going to Manny Young Tavern on Saturday. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you got to get the crab grilled cheese. Just, they give you the tomatoes
2: Just made plans. <laughs> just made plans. So yeah, man, that's it's the best. It's the best, and especially if we we had a long night, it's the greatest. Yeah, thing the
1: they've got a bunch of stuff in the mornings where you just like we would always get uh we get breads from the Smalls. What's, what's Marciano's breads before yeah. watch, like the birds on on Sunday mornings, like and just kind of like lay in a stupor and eat terrible food and just watch football and just really feel like you were just like part of the city, right? Like, that's why, like, all the young people that spent so much time at Maniunc when they were in college, whether you went to, like, St. Joe's, Temple, you know, LaSalle, you'd meet people up there all the time. Like, it was fun. It was fun to go to Maniunc and just kind of – everybody's in, like, the same stage of their life pretty yes. much.
0: Yes,
2: like, Losers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the right, word to right. describe it. Now they look back, I was a total loser. Yes. But I was having
2: fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's I, – I would admit to that. That's what I was – that's the stage I was in at that point
1: uh all right last segment uh rapid fire 30 second answers i got the first five we call this 10 touches you know just like the drill uh who was the funniest teammate or uh person you've ever worked with
2: there's it's a tie because it's between marcus lemon and maurice martin mo martin They're, they're two of the most two of the craziest guys that i've ever met in my life and two of my best friends to this day and they're just they just do things that I scratch my head every single time I'm around them. So unintentionally or intentionally funny? It's both. It's both. It's both. All the I got time. a
0: chance to coach with Mo my first year there. And that was by far like, I didn't know people like that existed. But Mo is so funny. Uh, <laughs> what was the worst
1: travel experience you had while you were at PILU?
2: Um, I would say... I would just say any time we would lose in Massachusetts because coach never wanted to stay the night after that. Like if we lost the game in Massachusetts, he was like, well, gas up the buses, let's head home. And it was just like, no, man. Like I do not want to drive back from Massachusetts right now at all. And then nice eight-hour bus ride.
1: Who uh, who, right now when you're watching an NBA game, who's the worst shooter in the NBA? Uh,
2: man trying think it might it might be deandre jordan is pretty bad somebody else is somebody else is terrible and i can't think of andre drummond made um, incredible strides this year which he is, shoot, is he's crazy. Shooting
1: like 70 from the foul
2: line yeah and he was he was really yeah he was really really bad but he's up there i, I would say deandre jordan man he's he's yeah, and, and Ben's going to make a run at it, so we'll see.
1: I mean, the other—honestly, like, the DeAndre Jordan thing's a little bit similar to, like, Tyson Chandler when he played with the Pelicans. Or I guess it was—were they the Pelicans, then or the Hornets? I don't remember, but, like, he couldn't make free throws, and then all of a sudden he goes to the Knicks, and he's shooting 70% from the foul line. It changed his career. Like, he wins a title in Dallas. Like, it matters for bigs, you know, because those guys are just so bad.
2: He's another one of those guys where if you watch him, there's there's things that can be done that I feel like he could turn— I just think it's more mental for him at this point.
1: I, I believe that. Um, what I'm gonna usually people like you are are just like coaches in general are big readers. What's your current favorite book?
2: Favorite book of all time is Man's Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankel. Um there's a story about a guy who was put in one of the concentration camps and uh just about him kind of losing his losing his identity, being stripped down to just being called a number. It's like nothing really mattered and, and him kind of finding this inner peace within himself on who he really was while while he uh, watched a bunch of people not able to do it, and then coming out of it just super enlightened, and it's just an incredible book. It's, it's really good.
1: All right, so man's search for meaning—that's
2: right. Man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. All
1: right, how about what is somebody? You, you're in a big gym. Somebody calls you up, and they're like,
2: "What's the best trick shot you can show us?" What, what are done you some
0: doing? Some crazy ones on Instagram
2: around the bat. Yeah. I'm around, I'm, I mean, if I have to do it, like if I know that I need, I need to make it. I'm going around the back half court just because I can make that pretty. On a, it, it's one that I can make pretty often.
0: All right, one one teaching point to fix a broken shot. You can only tell one guy one thing. What is it? Hand under the ball. Okay, one thing all high school coaches should not teach.
2: Don't pigeonhole players into positions. Let everybody, be a, let everybody be a basketball player. Don't tell a kid what he can and cannot do on a basketball floor. That
0: is that is one of the best answers I've heard, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: we're big positionless basketball guys. Like, figure out what guys do well. Tailor what you do to what they do well, not what you think people
0: should do well. I, I totally agree with that 100%. All right, if you could change one thing about college basketball, what would it be?
2: I just wish guys could shoot the basketball. I just – I. <laughs> I love so I love I mean, I'm a huge basketball fan, but I'm more of an NBA NBA fan. And my wife and I will argue about this and she'll say, no, college basketball players play so much harder. And I say, no, they don't. They're just not that good. Like they just can't shoot the basketball. And that's why it, they just, that's why they got to try so hard. They're diving after all those misses.
1: Since I've since I've been out of coaching college basketball, I've watched so much less because of that, because like I'll watch the NBA all day because I want to see guys make shots. I don't want to yes. watch, you know, like I said, I always use Michigan State as an example because they're always really good and they can never score. Yeah. But, like, I don't want to watch Michigan State play Minnesota and have it be 55 to 51. Right. Like, it's just not exciting. No. It's not fun for me. Yeah,
2: make shots. Just make shots, guys. <laughs> Get in the gym. Make some shots.
0: <laughs> so I, Basically, you're saying every college should have a sh- on the court shooting coach just a de- designated p-
2: position. You for know them. what? I feel like that's coming, though. I feel like big schools are – it's, it's close. I feel like that's close to happening.
1: Well the, pro- well, the problem with it right now, right, is that the NCAA has got to at least, they got to, either you have to hire that guy as an assistant or the NCAA has got to come off their rules a little bit on who's like allowed right. to be on the floor. Right. Yeah, you that's know, what I'm you saying. You can't yeah. just hire somebody who's like head shooting coach because that person technically wouldn't be allowed to coach. So you'd have to be like, it'd be smart if guys hired like a shooting coach as like assistant strength coach or something, because then you're allowed to be on the floor and working with a basketball. And that's at least like a loophole. So that's why you come to create your shot for great ideas like this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen to us, Cynthia. Best player you have ever played against?
2: J.R. Smith. There's a shooter. He's, yeah, he could shoot. Yeah,
0: you, that, that, guy, that guy. And in high school, he would just take it from like half court. Yeah. Like as soon as he was over. Better. And he was
2: nuts, man. I played against him at he's Invitational. He was crazy. <laughs> crazy dude, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still a little nuts. Best moment as a player? um and individually and as a team
2: um best moment as a player uh holy family cacc championship game we were down three and i hit a like 35 40 footer uh i banked it in and we went into overtime and we won the cacc championship and i had no intention of banking that shot but we rolled with it and it was great
0: what gym was that at? that was
2: at philly u and okay. it was
0: i was gonna say you're not making that shot at holy family no. that place tough place to shoot
2: you know what though i always shot the ball really well at holy family i actually really like shooting i actually really like shooting the ball there yeah but yeah that was the best well, in my five years
0: we never made shots there. <laughs> <laughs> never maybe we just sucked at shooting now that i think about it <laughs> what about as a team like team accomplishment best moment is it the CACC championship?
2: It's that same year because we we started off the year terribly we went to own five yeah we started off really bad and then we ended up rolling off we won we won every single conference game and then we beat holy family on our home floor to win the CACC championship and it was just it was awesome man it was it was my first one and then we won again the next year but the first one it was just it was incredible
0: so sweet yeah all right uh last
1: thing from us same two questions to every guest uh, I'll go first what's the best advice anyone's ever given you
2: Um, you know, I, I I think it'd probably be more recent and it's, it's probably from my wife because when I was starting the whole journey of pursuing this shooting, shooting coach career, I was kind of complaining about my current situation and I was venting to my wife and hoping she'd like coddle me. And she just looked at me and she said, you know what you have to do. I'm not going to listen to you complain. So until you start making moves and start doing something about it, then I don't want to hear it anymore. And I kind of I ran with that, even though I wish she probably would have told me everything was going to be all right. But, um, yeah, she uh, she she set me straight and never, never haven't looked back since.
0: Even off the court, you're scoring points over here. All right. Face to face (laughs) with your 18 year old self, a young skinny Mike Dunn from Central Dauphin. What are you telling him maybe to do differently or advice you can impart on him?
2: I would say hit the weights for sure. Hit the weights, Mike. Get in the weight room. You look terrible. Um I would say enjoy that hairline you have now because it's not gonna be around too much longer. And uh I would say, man, just enjoy every moment you have with basketball just because it's going to come to an end. So enjoy it, cherish it. Not everybody gets to do it, especially even college basketball. Whether you're playing division one, division two, or division three basketball. Playing college basketball is it's significant it's not it's not something everybody gets to do
1: well that's all one reason why being a good shooter is awesome too right because like you'll be able to step in there like 55 years old at, at, in the gym and still make shots you might jump a little less you know you might need a little bit more space but I, that always happens you play pick up and old guys are in there you're like all right, this guy sucks and then all of a sudden he just starts
2: making shots that never goes I'm, away i'm right? telling you like i'm destined like i've gone viral a few times on the on the internet And I'm destined to go viral again when I'm like 99 years old and somebody has a camera and just watching me shoot jump shots in the gym, just hitting threes. Everybody's like, who is this really old, wrinkly, ugly dude hitting shots in here? This is crazy.
1: All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. Um, But I want to give you an opportunity, especially like we we talked about your Instagram, see Mike Dunn and stuff. But I want to give you an opportunity to definitely plug the your shooting school and stuff like that for people that don't know. So like YouTube website, all that stuff before we sign
2: off, if you could let everybody know how they can get in touch with you in case they're interested. Yeah, for sure. You can find me on, on Instagram at mike Dunn S-E-E-M-I-K-E-D-U-N-N. And then uh, my website is CMikeshoot.com. And right now um, I'm building a whole collection of in-depth shooting videos, um, different ideas that I have, and uh, it's an exclusive type list. So you, th- you get to sign up and it's not going to be available on YouTube. And I'm not posting that stuff on Instagram and I'm trying to build that up as much as I can. And we have a really, really big list building. So it's been really cool so far. And um, YouTube, not as much anymore. So I would say Instagram, see Mike done, and then CMikeshoot.com for all the in-depth shooting lessons.
1: All right, cool. Well, Mike, really appreciate it, man. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for rapping with us about shooting, especially to non-shooters. You know, Smalls is an okay jump shooter. I, I am not. I was more of a, a bang you inside type of guy, but fun advice. And like the Herb McGee stories are always worth it because everybody's got a million of them. <laughs> he's, he's, Smalls, the best, he's the best, man. Uh, Smalls is afraid to go, you know, too hard against coach because he thinks that like, you know, maybe he's listening to it on his transistor radio or something. Not, not necessarily the computer. But I, don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think.
2: Stop it! He gave me my life. Yes, yeah, <laughs> he, he does. He has great stories, and I, you know, we. He just knows. He, he knows. He's the man. He, at the end of the day, that's all. That
1: he is. Well, we appreciate it, man, and, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming on.
2: All right, thanks, guys.